Blog Talk Radio. Saturday, November 1st, 2014, and you are tuned in to another edition of The Missy Show, where your premier source for fun and informative pet topics. I'm your host, Jay, and once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Dee. How you doing, buddy? Hello! <laughs> the Mrs. Doubtfire voice is back. Doubtfire returns. No. Hello, Jay. How are you? This wonderful fall, November 1st day. Welcome to November. Welcome to November, and I mean it's a it's an unexpected surprise, an unexpected pleasant surprise because it's just so crisp and cold here in the deep south, and and it's, it's wonderful. I know it's cold for us, and y'all know the people that live in the north are like, what? And we're like, it's fifty nine or sixty degrees. It's freezing out. It's freezing outside, but for us that's cold. So. Yeah, I think this morning, wasn't it like in the high 30s or something? Which I know for northerners, that's still like, oh, uh, that's nothing. Like, oh, my Lord. But, yeah, it was. The, you know what got it was the wind. That wind. Yeah, it's morning. been windy all day today. It was like this morning. I was like, wait a minute. I think I need some heat in the car this morning. <laughs> it's so cold. And putting the groceries back in the car coming from out of the, the grocery store, it was just brutal for me. <laughs> I was like, am I tearing up? Is there a tear in my eye from the wind blowing? Well, you know, as we're doing the show, I'm sitting here under an electric blanket, and maybe I shouldn't even be admitting that, but it's kind of airish in the house. So um, I'm doing that because I'm, I'm not going to cut the heater on because it's, it's not quite there, even though I'm cold-natured enough to do that, but I'm not going to do that. Um, well, we're, we're trying not to do our heater, too, because we have to do the whole carbon dioxide check and everything, so we have to do that every year, so... We're 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 roughing it. <laughs> now I guess you could say. Yeah, that's a good idea though. I didn't think about that. Hmm. This is just our second year here, but I guess we still need to check that too. But I will relegate that to my husband. That'll be a, another topic for him after the show. Yes, get you some carbon monoxide detectors. That's what we do. Okay. Might have to make another trip to Walmart. Who knows? I guess <laughs> they sell. Okay, that's another topic. We're not even gonna go there. But okay. um. Before we get started, we want to um, once again thank everyone who tuned in to our October Pet Spooktacular episodes and also give special thanks to Miss Evelyn the Cat Whisperer for coming Yay, back on a couple of weeks ago. And love, you, her, love you, Miss Evelyn, and um, sharing her spooky pet story with us. And if you missed any of those episodes, you can always go back and listen in archives at blogtalkradio.com forward slash she's a torty and that's S-H-E-S-A-T-O-R-T-I-E. Um, if you would like to call in live, you can also do that at 347-838-8313. And remember, if you want more information about today's or past topics, you can always check out our Facebook or Twitter pages. You can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash misty.show44 or on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Missy Show. Also, once the blog blog is posted for today's episode, you may find that link on Facebook or Twitter as well. 
Now, with all of that mouthful said, we're going to move on <laughs> to today's episode. Okay. <laughs> Which today's topic, uh, it's another tough one for us, but we thought it was important to talk about it nonetheless. Um, we're going to be discussing the life of shelter pets or shelter animals. Um, we wanted to take a look at a few of the shelter scenarios um, to see what life might be like for animals who end up there. But I think a good place to start might be for us to define a kill shelter versus a no-kill shelter. Cool. And in my research, what I found, um, basically what is known as a kill shelter is also um, an open admission shelter. Mm -hmm. And basically with the open admission shelters, they basically are not turning any animal away. So even if the animal is um, sickly, the animal is um, a senior animal, um, very aggressive, they're not turning any animals away. The downside to that is because they're not turning animals away, um, animals in those type of shelters will be euthanized. Not every animal, but of course, like if the dog is, the um, animal is very aggressive or very sickly, they are going to euthanize them. And, and even not just those types of animals, even if it's an adoptable animal, which is, you know, they, they don't have any aggression problems or they don't have any health problems because they're not turning any animal away. If an animal is there for so long and they haven't been adopted, they have to euthanize them. That, exactly. Yeah, that that's the downside to that. So, so if an animal who has been there for a while, you know, and I guess each shelter has their own definition of what's, a while, but um, after so long, even a perfectly adoptable animal may end up being euthanized in that type of situation. But um, on the other hand, you have what they call no-kill shelters. Um, and even with no-kill shelters, maybe it's um, better to say that it's a limited kill. And those, ideally, they're not putting any of the animals to sleep but if they do have an animal that is seriously ill and suffering, you know, of course, they would put that animal to sleep. Or if they do have animals that are aggressive and, and they just seem like they can't be adopted out, they would put them to sleep. But um, the downside to no-kill shelters is um, they're also known as turnaway shelters. Now, I don't know if this is true of all of them, but just in my research I found that a lot of times with no-kill, they're able to have that label of being no-kill because they turn animals away. If an animal is deemed too sickly or, or too aggressive, a lot. Of, I guess sometimes they still end up with those animals, but they will turn those animals away because um, I guess if they took in every animal and they're not killing any of them, you know, that would just be too many animals at the shelter, so they have to turn some away. And many times they end up on waiting lists. They may tell a person if they're trying to turn an animal in in that situation, hey, we'll have to put you on the waiting list, and when we get an opening, then you can bring your pet back. So that's the downside to that. So sometimes animals end up, you know, in not-so-good situations. You know, maybe it's a situation where they really need to be taken, but because it's a no-kill shelter, and they have that policy. If they're too crowded, they won't take the animals. That's true. Um, I read a little bit about the no-kill as well. And, and you know what? And just to speak to the no-kill, I think because this was, this was true for me at some point when I was doing my research, you hear the word no-kill and you think, oh, this is a great shelter. And I'm quite sure there are some that are no-kill, that are, that are, that are no 
there are great shelters, but there are pro- probably what happens to some people and what ha- what happened to me was when you hear no kill, you think, oh, this is great because they don't kill. But right. That's look, what I thought. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You think, oh, I would rather take the dog to a no kill shelter as opposed to you know kill shelter because they don't kill, which is great. But you have to take the into consideration. And what I found out is what you just said was that just because they don't kill, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's 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 the best thing. Because what a no-kill shelter, like you were saying, because they do not kill, they take in these animals as many as they can, and then they might reach their limit of capacity where they don't have any more room for them. So you could possibly go there with an animal in a certain situation and that needs that you want to, you know, put in a shelter because there's no other means for you to take care of this animal, whatever the reasons are, and they could turn you away. So you are faced with the option of, okay, now what do I do? Or these animals are faced with the option of, you know, what's going to happen to me. And sometimes, depending on the, you know, I've read different stories or what have you, and I don't want to go into specific details of the stories, but, you know, these people will, you know, just let the animal go or, you know, they'll take it into their own hands and, and, and put the animal down themselves or the animal ends up in a different situation with someone who's, you know, not the best um, choice for that animal. So right. just because not a, a, a kill shelter, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best place for that animal um, because the kill shelters are, are just, you know, can be in the same situation as, the no-kill shelters can be in the same situation as the kill shelters where the population within that um, shelter is, is to capacity. They don't have enough funds, you know, so the animals are there and they're not being killed, but what conditions are they living in, you know? So it's, okay, it's put a different light. It's put a different light for me on a no-kill shelter. I, you know, I would always think, oh, it's a no-kill shelter. That's great. But now I understand that the conditions of that no-kill shelter could be just as bad as those of the kill shelter. And you know what, Dee? It's, I guess the animal lover in me, it's still this part of me in some way when I think about the no-kill shelters. And even though sometimes animals do get turned away, it's like that little voice in my head that says, well, turning turning them away is better than killing them. You know, you have that part that's like even, even if somebody just let them go, that would be better than killing them. You know, you have that part, but, but I do understand that there are cons to that. And, and sometimes animals who are turned away, they're uh, taken in by somebody who is worse for them than the person who had them. You know, they, they can be in really bad situations, or like you said, someone can take it into their own hands and try to put them down. But, you know, it's just the idea when you think kill shelter, you know, but, but and that that's not to put down any kill shelters because there are pros and cons with both of them. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and speaking of pros and cons, well, I have some statistics, some pet statistics for shelters. Um, at U.S. animal shelters within our country. And just to give people an idea of how many, you know, statistics are are tagged on to animal shelters, there are approximately 6.7 million companion companion animals entering into animal shelters nationwide every year. And of those, approximately 3.9 million are dogs and 3.4 million are cats. Oh, my God, every year. Millions. I'm just thinking millions, okay? So each year, approximately 2.7 million animals are euthanized. 1.2 million are dogs and 1.4 million are cats. Approximately 2.7 million shelter animals are adopted each year, which is a good thing. 1.4 million are dogs and 1.3 million are cats. 
about 649,000 animals who enter shelters as strays are returned to their owners, which is a good thing. And of those, 542,000 are dogs and only about 100,000 are cats. I don't know why it seems that it would, I don't know why I would think it's harder to return a cat to their owner as opposed to a dog. I just don't know why that is. I don't, I don't know why I think that, why it just kind of, to me, for some reason, it's, it just seems like it would be, a, a dog owner would probably be more apt to find their, than, than a cat owner. I don't know why that is, and I don't know why that sticks in my head like that. But anyway, of the dogs entering to shelters, approximately 35% are adopted, 31% are euthanized, and 26 of the dogs who came in as strays are returned to their owners. Of the cats entering into shelters, approximately 37% are adopted, 41% are euthanized, and less than 5%, 5% of the cats who came in as strays are returned to their owners. About twice as many animals enter shelters as strays compared to the number that are relinquished by their owners. So that's just a couple of stats for that. And I also have um, some pros and cons, not specific pros and cons of any particular kill or no-kill shelter, but just some pros and cons of shelters themselves. Some of the pros associated with animal shelter, and this is coming from ehow.com. Um, some of the pros is the actual adoption process. Animal shelters provide incentives to make adopting their animals easy for any potential new owner. While fees vary from shelter to shelter, the shelter's cost to allow adoptions is much lower than the cost of resources required to house and feed the animal. Funded by tax dollars, city and county shelters offer prices that are particularly low. And another advantage of adopting through animal shelters is the wide availability of animals. Due to the high number of animals accepted, potential owners will likely find a match that suits their preference. Another pro is that it, it has animal control. Local animal shelters provide a place to house stray dogs and cats that wander the neighborhood unguarded. Sheltering lower, lowers the instance of animal attacks that would occur otherwise with strays that roam free while providing the animals with food and shelter. To help cut down on the number of unwanted strays, animal shelters have strict policies on spayed and neutering pets for any potential owners. Another pro is the temperament and socialization. Most animals surrendered to animal shelters are adults. Adopting an adult animal generally comes with fewer surprises about the animal's temperament and behavior compared with adopting a puppy or a kitten. Many animal shelters provide extensive behavioral tests on animals before putting them up for adoption and generally have strict policies to inform potential owners about any destructive behavior. Now, some of the cons that are associated with um, animal shelters one of the cons is administrative and staffing. Local shelters are often independently run, and their policies vary dependent upon the location of the shelter as opposed to a state or national standard. Additionally, shelters are staffed primarily by volunteers. While these workers generally have the animal's best interest in mind, the need for shelter workers outnumber the people willing to volunteer in some cases. So it's just you have so many more strays in in animals that are in the shelters than sometimes that you have people that are available to work in the shelters. Another con is unfortunately euthanizing in some cases. Every year animal shelters euthanize approximately three million to four million dollars in cats according to the Humane Society of the United States. The decision to euthanize the animals left to the discretion of the individual shelter and depends upon that animal's temperament, health and shelter space and resources. Many shelters set a holding period in which strays are not eligible for euthanizing, given their owners, not all animal shelters euthanize, and those that don't distinguish themselves from others by calling themselves, as you said before, um, Jay, no-kill animal shelters. 
And one of the last cons that I have is overcrowding. According to the Hanging Society of America, 150 animal shelters operate in the United States. These shelters take in an estimated 6 million to 8 million dogs and cats every year. And some of these animal shelters, overcrowding results from taking in too many strays. Overcrowding in animal shelters leads to stressed animals, the spread of disease, and animals fighting each year. The much lower adoption rate at no-kill animal shelters make overcrowding a particular problem, which kind of leads back to what you were describing about the no-kill shelters, Jay. So I just wanted to put that out there, just some of the pros and cons of it and some of the statistics of animal shelters in our country. And those numbers are just mind-boggling. I, I, I just remember some of that research from some months ago when we did another um, show similar to this. It wasn't this same show. And I just, when you think about millions of animals. It's it, it, insane. You, you're thinking it's millions, and these are cats and dogs and what have you in the millions. And this is annually. This is not like, you know, five years, ten years. This is every year. At the end every of this year, hundreds right. would be bad. And in my mind, I can picture what hundreds of dogs or hundreds of cats is like. Or, or I can see a hundred dogs in a field. But when you exactly. think of millions, millions, millions of them, you know, that, that are going through. And you, and you, you kind of understand why these shelters, a large majority of them are just, you know, strapped to the, to the end trying to take care because, I mean, it, the, the thought of not having any kind of facilities or organizations available to take care of them, it, the problem would be worse. But we still have a problem because we still have, you know, organizations and things that are there, and we're still in the millions. So it's just, I mean, this is a problem. It's a, it's a serious problem, I think, that we face as far as our animals are concerned. Yeah, and even um, I found this on um, Quora.com or Quora.com um, where it says the worst of the no-kill shelters have only cages and animals are rarely taken out of them. They have little yeah. to no interaction with humans other than feeding and watering. These are yeah. often hoarding situations um, and inhumane for any animal to stay in for more than a few weeks. Yeah. But I mean, they're understaffed. They don't have enough people to, you know, walk the dogs and play with them and, and the cats, any animals there, you know, and, and it's unfortunate. Yeah. It's it's sad to think of it that even in a no-kill no shelter, you think, yeah, this is great. They're at least not, you know, being put down, which it is, which is, which is true, but the conditions that they're living in, after a while, if you are an animal put in that situation, especially if maybe you were an animal that unfortunately came from, a home, you know, and they were speaking to the, the to the fact that in I think it's two thousand eight when the economy kinda went bad, a lot of people yeah. had to face with the, the choice of not being able to take care of their pets. So a lot of these pets that were in homes with families and kids and, you know, regular socialization and everything were being taken to these shelters and being put in these shelters and a lot of them, you know, some of them were no kill shelters but you're thinking you're taking a, a dog or a cat out of a situation where they were, you know, freely able to roam around the house and roam around the yard and be interactive with the kids and what have you and be put into a cage, and this is basically where they live for the rest of their life. You know, unless they, they are adopted out, you know, this is their world. They're, they eat, they sleep because they don't have a lot of um, help to, you know, walk and what have you interact with them. Their socialization is, is non-existent to a certain degree, and you would have to think because, you know, 
animals kind of react the same way that people do. When you don't get that, you become depressed. Your your whole personality changes, you know. It, it kind of kills the spirit. So you have a lot of these dogs that are in situations where they're not understanding what's going on from what they used to have, and they don't understand, you know, why they're not being able to go out and roam around and be free or what have you. And then some of these dogs, this is their whole existence. This is all they've ever known. So it's just sad. Yeah, I mean, it. it I, I found this letter, and I'm not even going to read this because I'm I'm not going to start crying or anything on here. But um, <laughs> I found it um, on the let's see, the site is the Humane Dialogues um, at work uh, dot wordpress dot com, and I'll put it on the Facebook page. But um, this was originally um, allegedly posted on Craigslist, um, and it's a letter from a shelter director in California. And um, the article is called "You Can't Keep Your Pet, Really." And the person sort of goes on to talk about, I guess, in their particular shelter anyway, what the reality was for animals. And just one thing, you know, some of the things that stuck out, and, well, really it's just sad either way, but he was just saying, he or she was just saying how, you know, when you drop your, your pet off, like you were saying, they don't know what's going on, and they're like, you know, where where's mommy, where's daddy or whatever, and and he was just talking about how they get depressed, you know, because now they've gone from a home environment, having a yard, you know, having a loving family, and they're just in this cage. And it was saying that um, the article says how the animals are constantly crying. They're, they're, they're like, whining for their owner, you know, because just like I guess how a baby or a small, small child would because they're wondering where their owner is. And exactly. he's just talking about how heartbreaking that is to have to see that and hear that every day. And um, he was just saying how they can be depressed and, you know, they're having to just eat and sleep in, in this cage. They're having to use the bathroom in the cage. And if they don't have enough workers to walk them, they're just in there all day. And, and basically the only time they get interaction is when someone's giving them food. And then even just when they're defecating in their cage, you know, they just somebody just holds it out, you know, and they yeah. never get to come out. And it was just pitiful. But I think it's important that people read it anyway, and I'm not saying that this is true of every shelter because I wanted to get multiple perspectives, and I think there are some great shelters out there. I ran across some stuff in my research. There are good shelters, but I think most of those are the ones where they have good funding and they have enough people to interact with the animals and let them out sometimes and, and play with them. Another thing, you know what, Dee, another thing I found out, and I even saw this on the Missy Show Facebook page. Um, One of our friends posted it. Black cats have a higher euthanasia rate. Really? It's harder to adopt out a black cat. I guess due to superstition. I don't know if it's superstition or what it is, but they say black cats, they're they're more likely to be euthanized. Wow. And And that's really unfortunate. Yeah, and it probably speaks to that, you know, so many things of superstition and, um, you know, just just things of that nature. People thinking, yeah. okay, I don't want to bring in bad luck into my home, you know, and the black cat particularly, you know, associated with it, which is unfortunate because it's just the color of the cat people. Um, exactly, exactly. So I, I think I saw something on there where they were saying that this weekend, I, I don't remember what shelter it was, but but I think it's in our feed on our Facebook page that a particular shelter there, um, I don't know if they're doing it free of charge or they're doing a reduced rate for any black cats that are there. So if somebody wanted to adopt a black cat, they wouldn't have to pay the normal rate to get the um, animal. And then I even ran across in some of my research that in general, don't get adopted as much. 
Really? It's mostly black cats, but even black dogs can have that issue. And then, of course, wow. if you have one of the more breeds that have been known to be aggressive, like pit bulls or Dobermans, you know, they're yeah. more likely to be euthanized. Exactly, because, you know, with the, you know, people have to understand, you know, those dogs, it's, nine times out of ten, it's not the dog's temperament. Maybe they do have a dog that has, but it's, it's the socialization and the training of that dog, you know, so it kind of falls back on the responsibility of the owner. Or something like that, you know. So it's 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 unfortunate and it's sad. It's unfortunate and it's sad. One thing I want to say, I mean, this show is short, but one thing I want to get out there just to get people to understand, um, just to give people some under- information about, um, there is an organization that I wanted to to talk about just a little bit, and it's called the Shelter Exchange, and and this is a something I ran across in my research, and this is a wonderful organization which tries to um, help with the problem, the shelter problem. Um, this particular organization was founded in 2010 by Claire Bocart, which I'm not, Bocar, which I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right, but it's B-O-K-H-O-R. Um, it is a nonprofit organization, and basically it was founded to effect positive and lasting change to the challenging issues of animal euthanasia in shelters across the country. They directly address the problem by working with shelter managers and staff who lack essential resources and support to make their shelter-friendly application. And it's an application that they have come up with, which is available to everyone nationwide, all shelter workers and everything. And you go onto this particular site and you put your information in for your shelter or your particular dog. And what they do is they try to connect you to, say, for instance, if you have a dog that is is, um, older, because it's really hard to adopt out older dogs, Yes. If you have a dog that has come into your shelter that is older, a lot of the problems with that is that some shelters might have these older dogs, but they don't have any way to, uh, aside from just in, within their community, they don't have a way to get this dog's profile or get this dog's, you know, whereabouts out to the country because there are organizations that are out there that specifically cater to adopting out older dogs. So say, for instance, if you live in Florida and you have a in your shelter, you have a lot of older dogs, but the, you have an organization that's in California that might actually specifically cater to adopting out older dogs. If you go onto this particular website and enter in your application for your, your, your shelter and your dog and put the information in there, other shelters, if they go into this application, can see your application for these older dogs. So it kind of connects them. It's sort of like, I don't know if you would call it the Facebook or what have you, but it sort of like connects these different shelters and together so that you can see what's going on in other shelters and what's available and what they have available. It kind of connects. So if you're in California and you're specific to, to adopt out older dogs, you can go on there and see, oh, this shelter in, in, in Florida, for instance, for example, has a, a larger older dog population. Let's reach out to them and say, hey, we've got this. We can adopt out. And it kind of connects them. It connects them. And this is what they kind of came up with. This is what she came up with, her and her husband was this application process that you can go online and actually enter in your information. It gives out resource information and all different kinds of things. Well, and it sounds really cool. It, it's, it's, there's so much information with it, and I know, you know, we won't have enough time to kind of even speak out there, but I just wanted to get that, the name out there, Shelter Exchange. Um, they have a, a website, which is shelterexchange.org. If you, um, and I'll give, so we can put it up on the site or whatever, 
please anybody who might be a, a person who runs a shelter, who works in the shelter, who knows someone who has an animal that was taken to a shelter, to get them to visit their website and, and, and go and read about their application process and um, what you need to do and actually enter your shelter into this process and get you connected to others because it's a really, 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 really great site for shelters. And it's just like they say, it's a shelter exchange where each shelter is connected to other shelters across the nation. And it's just a great, great avenue for um, shelters, especially shelters that, that are, are fun-strapped and, you know, you don't have a lot of money to try to get the word out there about what, what animals you might actually have within your, your shelter. So um, uh, shelterexchange.org, uh, please visit that website, and we'll put it up. Yes, well, I'm just glad after talking about all the heavier stuff that you had something positive to add. So that that's a good thing. Yes, yes, yes. Anything that's going to save some lives, that's going to help some animals. Oh, and I also wanted to mention that November is Adopt a Senior Pet Month. That's one yes. of the holidays. So please consider adopting a senior pet. Um, they're, they deserve a loving home just as much, and they're also at more risk for being euthanized. So please exactly. consider a senior pet. And also this month is also uh, Pet Cancer Awareness Month and Pet Diabetes Month, which next week's show is going to be about pet diabetes awareness. So make sure you join us next Saturday at our usual time of 5 p.m. Central. And this show went by very quickly, as they always do. <laughs> really quick. All our 30-minute shows do. But this time we're going to go ahead and end on time so we can let you hear the, the ending music without it being cut off. Have a great weekend, guys. Thanks Have for listening. Bye.